This is Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast, episode 58. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, and today's guest is Tanya Keen. Welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. Each week, join Cindy McMillan as she interviews coaches, spiritual explorers, and celebrants from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. Tanya Keen is a nutritionist, professional chef, and functional medicine practitioner based in Ireland who specializes in women's brain health with a big interest in the menopausal brain. Tanya suffered severe neurological dysfunction at one time in her life and so began the journey to reclaim her brain, and out of this, she founded the Women's Brain Project, a neuronutrition approach to preventing Alzheimer's and dementia. Tanya, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you, Cindy. It's, it's a real pleasure to be here joining you today. I am really interested in digging deep on neuronutrition and Alzheimer's today, but I want to start off with my favorite question, and that is, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? Okay, so personally, exploring the seasons of life is like, you know, the earth experiences its spring, its summer, its, its fall, and its winter. Us as women have our own cycle in in life, our own seasons as such. And I think, you know, for me personally, I've spent those spring and summer seasons growing and nurturing and, you know, building a business and a career and doing all those things. And now I suppose I'm in the autumn season or as the, I think is the fall in your part of the world. You know, for me, that season personally is about kind of, you know, reaping those benefits you know, those years of, of um, nurturing and, you know, the seeds as such that we planted in, in spring and summer. Um, and I think it's a real season or a time to, to reflect, to look after yourself for once, to nurture yourself so that you can enter into the winter season, you know, with a lot of strength and a lot of stamina. And, you know, people kind of look at winter as, oh, my God, that's a hard time. And, but, you know, I think, as a season, we need to look at it like, you know, what can we do to, to make that winter really good? And, and that, you know, that goes with entering into our aging, our winter of life. You know, how can we make that really good for ourselves? How can we make ourselves really, really well and really healthy so that we have a great winter? And that's, I think, you know, where the fall season comes in. It's, it's a perfect time and a perfect opportunity to, to make sure that, you know, everything you do now and the choices you make now about your well-being and your health will stand to you in the winter of your life. Tanya, that is beautiful. And I think I'm right there in fall as well. You know, really trying to make sure as I'm moving forward towards winter that I'm just the best that I can be. Absolutely. So and I, it's a great opportunity. I think it's a great window um, and a great chance to, you know, to take stock and to just invest something back into yourself, nurture yourself. Um, you've done a lot of nurturing of others over your lifetime. And I think it's your time now um, and my time. And yeah, let's go for it. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I do. I just love the way you explained that. That's perfect. And I really want to hear your journey and your why behind creating the Women's Brain Project. I did a little research before we got on the call. I know we're going to be talking about Alzheimer's today a little bit. And according to the Alzheimer's Association in the United States, approximately 11 million women are either living with Alzheimer's or caring for someone who has it. And almost two thirds of Americans living with Alzheimer's are women. So I'm just really interested in to hear what you've got to say about the Women's Brain Project and Alzheimer's. Yes, um, and unfortunately, you know, those um, statistics you read out there are quite shocking. Um, and unfortunately, you know, those statistics are set to rise. You know, it's, it's, it's on the increase and particularly high for women. So I think, um, you know, now as we enter into our menopausal journey, or for some they're in their postmenopausal journey, this is a really good opportunity and chance to start to um, look at the brain because it's during this transition that we tend to see a lot of little issues with our brain. It can be the first glimpse of things that might be going a little bit astray. And for some women, you know, it becomes a little bit frightening when they suddenly enter this period of time and they have some issues with their brain. So yes, very scary. And yeah, I look forward to chatting about this in, in the rest of the conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about the Women's Brain Project? Okay, so that's a project. It's just recently started. It basically is to empower women to, to think about their own brain health, where they're at, to take stock, to educate women, you know, exactly what's going on with their body and how all of it is so connected. And especially for menopausal women, you know, the hormone brain connection is playing such a big part in the direction of your brain health to come. So I realized that a lot of women weren't as informed or weren't receiving the proper information. I also had a lot of women messaging me. I did a talk back a couple of months ago, and I shared my own story with, um, with the audience. And it was amazing, actually, you know, the amount of messages I got from that of women um, very frightened and very scared about what was happening to their brains. You know, they were in that menopausal transition. And, you know, as I said earlier, their brains were starting to show a little, you know, signs and symptoms of brain changes. And I was just astounded by the messages and the fear that these women were facing. And yeah, and I, I went through that myself. And I know exactly how daunting that is and how frightening it is. And and that's how it all began. You know, I, I realized that women needed the education, they needed the information, and they needed support. And that's what this uh, Women's Brain Project is about. It's early days. Um, we're just getting going. <laughs> but we're already gaining momentum. And yeah, super excited about where this leads to. And, and I do think that, you know, women's brain health, to some degree, has been forgotten about. We tend to focus on, you know, from the neck down, um, we look after our bodies, you know, we go for breast checks, we go for a cervical smear test. But what are we doing about the brain? You know, where are we getting tested? Where are we getting checked as preventative medicine? We, as women, tend to forget from the neck up that we have this brain that needs looking after. It needs love and care and nurturing. Um, and it's not all about the body. So, yes, yeah, so I think that's where my interest came in um, in relation to the menopausal brain, because it's such a great time to intervene. 
and to get the the knowledge and the support that's necessary so that you don't end up with any um, degeneration of the brain in, in you know in your year in the winter of your life to come. <laughs> Tanya, could you talk about your story a little bit? I know in the introduction, I, I, I mentioned that you had suffered severe neurological dysfunction. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, it's, it's, it's a long story, um, but I'm going to keep it short. <laughs> um, and it's a very painful journey. And it was, you know, one that came about um, at a time when life was very full. I was working in a career that was quite full on. I had gone back to college to study. I had been rearing my daughter. I'd been working on some very big projects for an organization I just started with. And then one day I started to feel fluey. And that kind of continued, you know, for a couple of months. I felt on and off, fluey, fatigued. And then one day I just couldn't get up out of my bed. And that was it. Life as I knew it was over. It just came to a screeching halt and... And basically nothing in my body worked. You know, I just I just lay in my bed, completely bedridden, was carted off to hospital, um, went through lots of, you know, testing and, and a long journey there trying to get some proper diagnosis. This went on for a long time. Um, and I saw doctor after doctor, hospital after hospital. And all the time I was just getting sicker and weaker and weaker. Um, and eventually I got my diagnosis and I was diagnosed with ME, which is also known as chronic fatigue syndrome. I was told that, you know, that was my diagnosis and I had to go home and accept it. And that, you know, basically life as I knew it was over. The uh, the doctors wanted to order me a wheelchair because my mobility had, had pretty much gone um, and that I would remain in that for the rest of my days. And that there was no cure and there was no treatment as such. And, you know. I had to really just accept this. I could not accept it, to be honest. I found accepting that um, situation very hard. I know acceptance is a big thing, and, and sometimes you do have to accept those things. And, and But I just found it really hard at the time. I, I, I felt like acceptance was giving up and just saying, okay, this is it. Um, I, I wanted to try something else. I wanted to, I wanted to give it a shot. You know, I didn't want to settle for that, so... Um, so yeah, so then began my journey, you know, and I mean, it was a really hard journey because I couldn't get myself down the stairs. I was bedridden. Um, my partner had to, you know, carry me from the bathroom, uh, from the bedroom to the bathroom to wash me. I couldn't even, I hadn't even the power to wash myself. My speech was really bad. Sometimes I couldn't find words. Sometimes I couldn't speak at all. Um, sometimes I got stuck on words like a, like a kind of a stutter. Um, and basically just a shutdown of all systems, neurologically, digestive system, endocrines, everything just crashed. And so I started, yeah, I, I, I remember the day actually I decided, right, you know, this is it. I'd cried all the tears in the world, gone through all the grieving. And, you know, one day I, you know, got myself out of bed. I had poor mobility, so I had to shuffle um, and crawl. Um, and I shuffled down the stairs like a baby, like a toddler, you know, the way they come down the stairs. And I came down on my bum and I crawled into my office and I got a pen and paper and I went, OK, plan. And I sat there on the floor with this pen and paper thinking, well, what, what is the plan, Tonya? You know, what are you going to put on this piece of paper? Because as you've been told, there is no cure, there is no nothing, you know. So what is the plan? 
And I sat there and I sat there and I was like, there's got to be a plan. You know, I've got to put something on paper. I've got to take some sort of control over this. And I wrote down nutrition. And I didn't know where I was going with that or what, you know, I just, that was the word that came to me. And from that moment on, that's when I started to explore nutrition. And I I thought, okay, this is, you know, this is the first thing we'll do. We'll put some goodness into my body. And that was what I did. I started to bombard myself with nutrients, basically. You know, I bought a juicer, I, I went crazy. And it did, it picked me up to the point where I had a couple of hours, you know, in the day, a very small window when I could focus more on, on you know, nutrition. And, and that led me to studying. And I basically thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go deep, you know, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to study it. So I, I struck up a deal with with the with the college. And, you know, I said, look, I've only got these few small windows of energy. And, you know, can I, can I do it like this? And yes, of course, they were they were great. So I did that. So, you know, I studied nutrition as a way to save myself, basically. And it went from there. It took me seven years. And, you know, it was longer. It was, you know, sometimes I'd make 20 steps forward and then I'd go back. I constantly relapsed. Um, and But I, I kept at it. You know, there was times I wanted to give up. It was extremely hard. But I just kept chipping away, you know. And, yeah. And then I, I came out of that, like, quite well, only to suddenly be years older. You know, I'd, I'd been down six, seven years. And then, bang, straight into perimenopause. And that started a whole new roller coaster ride for me because, you know, I hadn't gone into perimenopause um, strong and well. And which I, you know, you need to be. You need to be really good health in that decade up to menopause so that you've, you've got the best chance, you know, with your transition. And I wasn't. And yeah, it was like a bus hit me. And I suffered again neurologically. Um, with the drop in hormones and I couldn't believe that this was happening again you know here I was with this dysfunctioning brain and you know eager to learn eager to you know follow on from my studies and yeah and 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 I had to intervene again you know so that brought me to my big interest in um, neurological nutrition Um, and then you know obviously at that time in life in menopause you know why was it affecting my brain so bad that's where the big interest came from, um, you know, was that I wasn't alone. Um, there was, you know, millions and millions of other women, su- you know, suffering neurologically because of menopause. And um, so that's, yeah, that's where, <laughs> that's how this all came about. <laughs> you know, Tanya, I was going to tell you, thank you so much for sharing your story, because I really think that is going to help, you know, the so many listeners understand that they are not alone with whatever they may be going through. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And so when we talk about nutrition and neuronutrition, what actually is that? I wasn't familiar with that phrase, neuronutrition. So basically, neuronutrition is about nutrition for your brain. So our brains actually require anything up to 45 different macro and micronutrients, and they can be very different from actually what the body requires. So, you know, when we intake food, we take in our macro and our micronutrients, um, and a lot of those are serving our bodies well. But actually, are we taking in the ones as well that we need for our brains? And the brain has its own immune system, so it does have slightly different requirements than the body. 
you know, we tend to kind of feed and nurture our bodies. As I spoke earlier, you know, we tend to focus from the neck down, but we actually need to feed our brains as well. Um, and that's where neuronutrition comes in, is making sure that, you know, you're getting everything you need for your brain, especially now as menopausal midlife women, our brains are struggling. And, you know, we need to give them that that nutrition and making sure that we're getting everything in that's necessary to give us the best chance. Um, so that's where the term neuronutrition comes in. It's a relatively new term. Scientists and researchers are now basically agreeing, you know, that Alzheimer's and things like that are positively impacted by, you know, diet and, and lifestyle measures. So that's where we turn to neuronutrition um, just to, to make sure that, you know, while we're looking after these wonderful bodies of ours and we love looking after them, and we love looking good, but we do have to consider the brain. And um, I think it tends to get forgotten about. So what kind of foods should we be eating and how does food actually affect our brain? I'm finding all this very interesting because sometimes I'll be talking and I'll forget a word. And sometimes that scares me because I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? And so how do we feed our brain? What kind of foods should we be feeding our brain? You know, let's go back. How does food affect our brains? Your brain is always on. And, you know, it takes care of everything. You know, it runs the whole ship. It takes care of your thoughts and your movement and your breathing and your heartbeat. It works 24-7 for you. You know, the fuel that feels that, it needs a constant supply, even at night when we're sleeping. It needs constant, constant fuel. And that fuel basically comes from the foods you eat. So it's like if you have an expensive car, you know, you're going to put in your premium fuel into that car. So your brain's the same. So if you're not putting in that premium fuel and you're putting in, you know, cheap, dirty fuel, your brain's not going to or your car's not going to run very well, is it? You know, unfortunately, if we don't put in the good things, our brain gets damaged just like our car will. You know, our car will start to cough and splutter and um, all the rest. And for an example, a really good example of that is that, you know, if your brain is deprived of, of good quality um, foods, you know, you're opening up the floodgates for a lot of, um, you know, free radicals, inflammation of the brain. You're con You're constantly contributing to brain injury so it you know it's vital that we eat the right foods because if you look at serotonin for example serotonin 90 is it 90 or 95 percent of serotonin is actually made in your gut you know and and that leads to the whole gut brain connection that that we know of um and and, and an area that's fascinating um and and researchers and scientists have been looking at kind of countries that have done really well in in terms of brain health and they looked at areas like you know, in Italy, where we have the Mediterranean diet, that has been classed as, as one of the um, the best brain diets in the world, um, the Japanese diet. And, you know, when they were compared to Western diets, they realized that depression and all these cognitive diseases were 30 to 40 percent less than those in the Western world. Tanya, I'm so sorry. Can you repeat that statistic that you just gave? Um, yeah, so... Um, studies have shown that, you know, when, when, when researchers studied the Western diet, or sorry, the Mediterranean diet and the, Jap the Japanese diet against the, um, the Western diet, they found that um, 
those diets had shown um, uh, you know a lower risk like 35 40 percent lower risk of depression and you know those neurodegenerative diseases in those populations so that's quite a percentage that's you know that's very impressive yeah, absolutely. So have they come up with what they're eating in the Mediterranean diet? It's, you know, it's the diet that's recommended now for optimum brain health. That diet, you know, when they look at it and, they, and they've broken it down, it consists of very basic food items. Um, and those basic food items are like, you know, your good fats, your fish, your egg, your chicken, your avocados, your nuts, your seeds, your olive oils tons of vegetables, things like natural yogurts and um, fermented foods, especially in Japan, and, and, um, and water, like, you know, hydration is really important. These foods are very basic. And if you notice kind of, you know, within those Mediterranean diets, there's not a lot of emphasis on sugar and sweet things, you know, whereas in the Western diets, processed diets are just riddled with, with sugar and salt and, you know, to the point that researchers have now dubbed Alzheimer's as type 3 diabetes. I was just going to say, when you were going through the the list that kind of makes up the Mediterranean diet, I was actually thinking that, Tanya, there's, I didn't hear any sugar there. Yeah, yeah, sugar's out the door. Sugar is such a, you know, what, what do we get from sugar? We get a lovely buzz, we get that kind of, oh my God, you know, that's really nice, that tastes amazing, it's comforting, it's but apart from that, we're not getting any goodness whatsoever from it. There's no nutrients in it. It's it's empty, you know, and all it does is just, you know, gives us that feel good factor. But actually, it's 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 not serving us well at all. And it's one thing as menopausal women that we do have to keep an eye on, because with the drop in estrogen, our insulin bec- can become a little bit sensitive. And that's why you have a lot of kind of women in midlife who suddenly can be insulin resistant or diagnosed suddenly with diabetes type 2 and that is because you know the hormones you have you have an estrogen insulin scenario that goes on and that's why we need to be really really careful as menopausal women on how much sugar we're getting in because those highs blood sugar highs and those lows are too much for the brain you know we need a steady flow we need it to be even on an even keel and if you're constantly having highs and lows from what you eat that's that's sending your brain into you know into chaos so we need you know as i said earlier we need the fuel the right fuel for our our brain the premium fuel but we also need to make sure that you know the the the, um, the glucose and the blood sugars are on an even keel and that is one of the biggest dietary steps that you can take if if there was one thing you were to do good you know or do right for your brain um it's to keep an eye on your blood sugars and, you know, make sure that you are eating the right foods that keep your blood sugar stable as opposed to highs and lows. So while we're talking about nutrients, can we talk about nutrients and why they matter so much in menopause? Okay, so why do nutrients matter in menopause? Okay, so menopause is a transition and it can come, as we know, with you know changes to our brain due to changes in our in our hormone levels, and with that can come you know depression, anxiety, low moods, being irritable, not coping with life, um, not feeling like you're functioning very well, and choosing the right foods in that scenario is more important than ever. 
because you know yourself, certain foods will pick you up and certain foods will make you feel slow and groggy. So we need the foods that pick us up. We need the foods that actually make us alive and alert rather than the ones that, you know, make us slow and groggy. And I know myself, if I eat sugar now, I feel really rough the next day. I feel heady and almost a little bit like I've got a tiny little bit of a hangover, you know, and that's, you know, that's not good. It's no secret that the brain and the body function best when they've got adequate um, food sources and food supplies. And nutrition is no different when it comes to menopause. You know, this is something that we should be taught at school when we're younger, that, you know, this becomes our lifestyles as opposed to learning how to do this as, as older women, you know. Antioxidants are really essential um, at this time as well, you know, for the prevention of oxidative stress. You know, you have plenty of food items and food supplements that actually support brain health and improve your mental health around this time. And more evidence is pointing to the role of these, you know, food items and food supplements in supporting our brain, um, especially during physical, physiological changes such as the menopause. And you mentioned the gut earlier. And so I would love to just like touch on that, the importance of gut health during menopause, or even if you want to phrase it like our gut health and our brain health. Okay. So if you're to put the two, you know, we, we have, as you know, um, the gut-brain axis. And I um, heard your previous podcast, um, which was on gut health, and, and I think it gave your audience quite a snapshot into gut health, and it was fantastic to hear all that information, great information. The brain and the gut do communicate to each other. You know, there's compelling evidence now that shows that, for example, they're using prebiotic therapy for depression now, and that has proved, you know, really, really good. And as menopausal women, we suffer from depression. So why not go in there and, and, and you know, get into the gut? And as I said earlier, you know, 90, 95% of your serotonin is produced in the gut. Um, and we need that serotonin as our feel good. Another interesting um, study that came out that I came across recently, and it was that when researchers looked inside the gut of someone with Alzheimer's, they found a very altered state of gut bacteria. So they were able to make the connection between, you know, gut bacteria and um, the, um, the impact that had on brain degeneration, um, which I think is fascinating because, you know, we all know about uh, our gut bacteria. We know about gut diversity. We know how important that is. And what I feel sometimes is missing is that we are not feeding our gut bacteria because if we have the right amount of gut diversity and gut populations, then we automatically have really good brain health. You know, those two go and work together. They, they communicate chemically and they communicate electric, electrically. I find that some people, they, they, you know, they have great diets and, you know, they're taking, they'll say to me, oh, I'm taking probiotics and, and that's fantastic. And, you know, they're eating amazing foods. But what they're forgetting to do is to feed those, you know, probiotics. They need food to survive. Um, and that's where you come in with prebiotics. Prebiotics is the food that feeds probiotics. Um, and people aren't always adding in enough fiber because that's what, you know, your bacteria feeds on. It, it needs food. It needs fuel. That is another area. Um, and the studies are huge. You know, they've done studies on mice. They've done, you know, several studies on the, the um, 
on the gut microbiome and its influence on brain health. So, and at a time of menopause, I think it's a really, really important time to look after our guts because, again, um, gut digestive issues can be such a problem for some women. Um, you know, you have women suddenly getting IBS for the first time in their lives and all again down to hormonal shifts and changes. So, you know, again, it's a really important time to nurture your gut and and by doing so, your brain will benefit from it. And, you know, this is something I say to women and, you know, I've had to do myself is that in order to have, you know, proper brain health and overall health, we need to have all our ducks in a row. And that means having good good gut health, good blood sugar management, you know, making sure our stress is not overloaded, that we're getting enough sleep, which, you know, can be altered again in, in menopausal years. Um, so, you know, it's it's not just enough to just target the brain. We need to have all these other um, ducks in a row as such um, so that we, we, we stand the best chance ever of, you know, um, avoiding any of this degeneration. And for some of us, this degeneration has actually started kind of a decade or two ago. You know, it can start as young as 30 and 40. And so, you know, if we have any of, of that degeneration, um, I know I have. It's about, for me, it's about halting it there and not letting this go any further. You know, Tanya, I will tell you one of the things I absolutely adore about hosting this podcast is getting to meet, you know, women like yourself and Sheridan that you um, referenced from my um, previous podcast, because I learned so many different things. And it's like, it just feeds my love of learning. And I just want to put that out into the world. <laughs> oh, and it's great, because, you know, this is I think this is the most powerful tool that, you know, women can have. We're not being taught this. You know, there's such a gap in, um, you know, in the medical um, menopausal scenario. Um, you know, I, I know that women come into this and are quite shocked as to, you know, A, nobody told them, B, um, you know, they don't know where to turn, you know, to get the right help and the right information. And, um so, you know, we need to have these conversations and, you know, what you're doing is, is fantastic. And, and, and hopefully it's going to help somebody, you know. I was one of those people who needed help, you know. Unfortunately, there's always somebody out there who, it, it might be just a sentence that you pick up, you know, that can make all the difference or, yeah, or it can change your tack or it can change your route or change your direction and send you on a journey of getting the proper health care and advice and support that you need. Absolutely. I am, um, cause I've, I've listened to podcasts for many years and you're right. Sometimes it can be just a sentence or a name or, or just something that just kind of, you know, takes Six. you on a different, different journey. I want to ask you, what do you find is holding people back from feeling good? Um, specifically, I want to say women. What do you find is holding women back from feeling good? I think sometimes, you know, lack of information, um, especially on menopause, you know, where do you go? What, 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 how do you tackle this? Lack of support. I think we live in a society as women where we're, you know, um, always told to push on regardless. It, it's, it's a sign of weakness if you don't and I think sometimes 
you know, it's that kind of like, oh, God, I've got that ache or I've got that pain, but I just have to keep going. I've got to collect kids. I've got to do this. I've got to do that, you know. And I think as women, we put ourselves last on the list. We're looking after everybody else before ourselves. And unfortunately, we're last on the list. And by the time we get round to the bottom of the list, we're so exhausted that, you know, you just get up and do it all again the next day and, and, and never actually get that chance. And I think, you know, this is a time when, you know, it's time to slow down a little, to step back and to take stock, especially now, allow this transition to happen, you know, peacefully and easily. I know on my own journey, and uh, I have witnessed this with, with many other women who were, you know, um, trying to move on in their health, self-sabotage comes to play, you know, that we start you know, we get up on a Monday morning, we're like, right, this is the week. <laughs> we're going to tackle the diet. We're going to get super healthy. And by the end of the week, I'm going to be feeling great. And then what do we do at the weekend? We eat all the chocolate and we drink all the wine. And, you know, and, and that becomes a, a, a vicious cycle for some of us. And I have been, you know, in that scenario myself. So self-sabotage, you know, and feeling like we need to comfort ourselves and give ourselves something back, it, it, you know, by using... Uh, chocolate and wine and stuff you know after a hard week um, is that our reward for ourselves so self-sabotage it's a big area you know and um, it's probably an, a, you know a great one for another podcast <laughs> um, yes. but yeah that does come into play definitely as well so let me ask you here we are Tanya if you could look back, what would you say to your 18-year-old self about the season of life you, you're in now? Um, I would say enjoy it. Mm. Don't, don't race ahead. Just, you know, enjoy each and every moment of it. Um, no need to push on. No need to rushing into summer, run into autumn because, you know, they're your favorites there's wonderful things to be found in spring and winter as well. And yeah, just, just enjoy that ride, you know, take off, take off the pressure a little bit. Um, stop, you know, stop pushing on, stop doing it all for everyone else, you know, just be part of your own journey. I love that. Absolutely love it. Can you um, tell the listeners how to follow you on social media? Yeah, no problem. Um, I am on Instagram at Keen Tonya. So that's K-E-A-N-E-T-O-N-Y-A. You'll find me there. And I have also, um, oh, actually on there, you'll find a link. We have a private Facebook group for the Women's Brain Project, which we've just launched this week. Yeah, you can join us there if you want to be part of, you know, deeper conversations about brain health um, and supporting each other through, especially through the menopausal journey um, and what's happening to our brain. So that's, yeah, that's probably your best bet is uh, Keen Tonya on Instagram. Thank you so much. I have loved every moment of this conversation and I appreciate so much you being on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Cindy. It's been a real pleasure. And yeah, I just, you know, if I have anything to say is that please, please women look after those brains. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. Make sure to visit our website, CynthiaMacMillan.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you could simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out as well. 
Until next time, live inspired.